with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. We're picking up where we left off. And we began to talk about this morning truth. What is truth? And um, made some statements, obviously, with respect to... There's a lot of materialism today, and obviously uh, it is wherein a lot of individuals are placing uh, their life upon the pursuit of materials. And so ultimately, with that endeavor, they are placing their life upon that which is temporal and uh, failing to understand truth. So we are looking at biblical foundations, and uh, truth has fallen in the streets, as Jeremiah would attest. So in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4, He is the rock, His work is perfect, for all His ways are judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, tr- just and right is he. And it was the statement by Pilate when Jesus Christ was on trial where he asked him, what is truth? And we're going to continue our study. This is a study through the scriptures uh, looking at the context of the various usages of truth uh, in the scriptures. And I had gone through and looked at all the references Uh, that dealt with truth, and then trying to find the context for each of these. Obviously, this is not comprehensive of all of those, but I did want to look at truth further, uh, and where truth is found. I know this morning it was merely trying to get the idea in our head, uh, what is our life founded upon? And we need to, and the principle was, and the idea is, we need to found uh, our our, our world upon truth. And so, let's go to the Lord and ask for his blessing, and then we will uh, commence our study uh, upon this. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your wonderful uh, gift of life. Father, I thank you that we have the word in our language so that we know truth. Father, it's something wherein we are certainly not is appreciative, but Lord, we are thankful, and Lord, I do pray you'd help us to be appreciative of the fact that we have truth, and God, that we have a God of truth that does not change. Culture changes, society changes, people change, but you don't change, and Father, for that I am thankful. And God, I pray in our hearts and our minds that Lord, you would help us to draw closer to thyself. Lord, to realize the truth of who you are, the truth of your character and your love for us. And Father, I pray as I preach your word that you would help me to give out the truths in a way that is understandable. Jesus, I love you. We commit tonight to thy care. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Just a quick review where we went this morning. I had spoken about the dilemma. What is truth and what are you to follow? Because ultimately, everyone that is living their life is basing it upon something. Uh, you are your foundation for your life, uh, your emotions, your, purchase, your, you know, your purchases, your time, how you give out, you know, how you use your time. It is really showing your value system, but a value system that is representative of the truth of your life. The desire of humanity wants words of peace, but unfortunately, when truth enters the scene, uh, there's an offense, and people become offended when truth is presented. Uh, They don't like it. 
and uh, <laughs> you know, obviously there was a lot of things that transpired over the last two years where truth was trying to make itself known, and there were other parties that were trying to suppress truth. The obligation of all of us, as we looked at also this morning, in Acts 17, 24 to 28, that God gives us that they should, verse 27 of Acts 17, that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. And so the fact is that God is saying, listen, in me you live and move. Now obviously he's created us to be able to make a choice whether I want to live in him or I want to uh, live my own way. But truth demands an action. As you would see in social media with a lot of things, there's truth that's presented and there's also a lot of fact checkers, quote unquote, that try to suppress it because they don't like it. But the, it, here's the issue. If you're not seeking for truth, you're not going to find it. If you're not seeking for truth, it's not going to be something that you're going to embrace. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4, picking up where we left off, truth is embodied in God. His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment. A God of, what does it say here? Truth. So every way of God is truth. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, Psalm 25.10, first portion of it. So you can't go wrong in following God. In Psalm 86.15, it also lets us know, But thou, o Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. So God is overflowing here with mercy and truth. I like what Jeremiah 29, 11, verse 13, 11 through 13. Turn with me here to Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. You know what? The truth of God can be found. He is not some mysterious big man upstairs that cannot be found. Because he clearly tells us in verse 11 of Jeremiah 29, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. So God can be found. And God is truth. Not only is God truth, but his word is truth. Everything that proceeds from his mouth is truth. And we find in Proverbs chapter 3, if you want to turn there, Proverbs chapter 3, about the word of God. These are just kind of some view, overview uh, on this idea of, of truth. I went through and looked at 244 different verses uh, on truth. And that's, I believe that's how many there were. There were, and I categorized them and, and put them into their various respective contexts and categories, as it seemed appropriate, obviously there's, uh, <laughs> but anyways, on that, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments, for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and, what does he say, truth forsake thee. 
Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. And we also understand, so for the word of the Lord, Proverbs 33, 4 also lets us know, for the word of the Lord is right and all his works are done in truth. So what God speaks is truth. There is in this day, and there's with a lot of the newer translations, what is truth? There's a questioning, what is truth? Is this really God's word? Is this really what belongs here? I don't want to keep on coming to it saying, is this true, is it not? Well, then I'm the, ultimately the judge of truth, and I don't want to be the judge of truth because I'm not the judge of truth because I can err, and so can you. I want all of God's word. But God tells us in his word that it is true. Do you realize that God, the Thessalonian believers there, the church of Thessalonica, when they received the word of God, which they heard from the Apostle Paul, which was given by the inspiration of the Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul, they received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. You can find that in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. As an illustration of this, there's a tale told of the great English actor Macready. He was an eminent preacher once said to him, I don't know anything about his doctrine. I just saw this illustration that illustrates the point. An eminent preacher once said to him, I wish you would explain to me something. Well, what is it, says the actor. I don't know that I can explain anything to a preacher. He says, the preacher says, what is the difference between you and me? You are appearing before crowds night after night with fiction. And the crowds come wherever you go. The actor goes on to say, excuse me, the preacher goes on to say, I am preaching the essential and unchangeable truth, and I'm not getting any crowd at all. McCready replied, this is quite simple. I can tell you the difference between us. I present my fiction as though it were truth. You present your truth as though it were fiction. That's end quotes. I trust that as the word of God is presented, it's not presented just as some fairy tale or just as uh, something that uh, might hypothetically be true. You see, and one of the things that God has given to us uh, with his word is he's made his truths available in every generation. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. God's truth endureth to all generations. And we find that Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. In John 1.14, we see, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was God. And you want to know something that God's given to us when Jesus leaves the scene, he gives us a gift of truth. Turn with me to John 14. Can you have truth today? Absolutely. We have the word of God, but we also have something else that God has given to us of truth, if we're willing to listen. John 14, 16. In John 14, 16, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, 
And the verse goes on, but we understand here, God gives us a comforter. He gives us the spirit of truth. We can have truth because the spirit of God indwells us. We have a comforter that God has put into us. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, indwells you. Now, here's the correction. Many people want to look to the past and reminisce on the good old days. They may think of a a party, a, a, a rock band that they went to see. They may look to the past for history. But people don't like to go back and look at God's Word to find out how to eliminate sin from a life. I don't want to look into the mirror of God's Word and find why I am the way I am. I don't want to return to the good way to find rest. You know what? Truth, for many people, is only wanted if it is personally beneficial to you. But when it fails to be beneficial and becomes uncomfortable, I want to get rid of it. I don't want to hear it. Because it's showing me who I am, and I don't like it. Do you realize in 1 Timothy 2, 4, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. It is truth that brings a person to the realization that they are condemned to hell, that they need Jesus Christ, and that they do not deserve heaven, and that Jesus Christ paid for their sins. It is the truth of Jesus Christ, of your nature, about your nature, I should say, that cleanses your conscience. Do you realize, and the Bible tells us in Proverbs 16, 6, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. So you're not going to leave evil unless you're confronted with truth. And as you see this, when you think about this, you need to realize that your actions are wrong. So as you think, the truth of your nature, it cleanses you. When you're confronted that you're living in sin, that your lifestyle is wrong, that maybe, perhaps, as I have been in the past, you know, things that God's brought up and someone might say something to me and I realize, you know what, they're correct and I'm wrong. And I I have to deal with that truth and respond to it. When you realize that your actions are evil, you are then confronted, you've confronted with truth, but then you have to act on it. You have to make a change. Or you can refuse the truth, the facts. Do you realize for Adam and Eve what they did when they violated their conscience and hid themselves? Rather than confronting God and boldly declaring, So they clothed them. Adam and Eve, when they were confronted, what did they do? They put upon themselves fig leaves, trying to hide their sinful nature. In Malachi chapter 2, Malachi would lament that the priests of his day did not walk in truth. But he says that the priests of the tabernacle era would walk in truth. 
The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. So he's lamenting that God, even God's ministers in his generation had deviated from truth. Do you realize that a government or nation is upheld by mercy and truth? A nation that will uphold truth and live out truth. Well, now, we're not seeing that in our nation today. In Proverbs 20, 28, mercy and truth preserve the king and his throne is upholden by mercy. We find in our government today there's a lot of uh, evil actions that are, are hidden because they don't want the truth to be come out on, on their actions, what they're doing. The Bible tells, Zechariah would say, speak every man truth to your neighbor. But if we refuse truth, what does it do to us? As Jeremiah 5.3 tells us, it brings chastisement, it brings hardship. O Lord, are not thine eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock, and they have refused to return. So their refusal of truth in your life, it brings hardship. Increased hardship. In all of this with the truth, it doesn't, the, the fact is we're all born sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the sin in your life, you can say, well, my circumstances, there might be things growing up and there's other things happening, but it's ultimately your, still your decision upon how you live your life. You know, some may excuse their sin as, well, we're all sinners, so I guess we all have to have a sin. So I use that excuse to keep on sinning. But that doesn't bear up. Romans chapter 3, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Spirit of God was speaking against. They're saying, well, God is holy, we're not, and I guess because we're not holy, we'll just show the holiness of God by our sin. And totally not dealing with the fact of their own sinfulness. They don't understand the truth of God's character. You see, there is no approach to God apart from sincerity and truth. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. If you want to truly approach unto God, it takes approaching in sincerity, in genuineness, and in truth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. When I come before God, I come before him as a sinner, and I need his healing touch. I need him to work upon my heart and show me areas of my life that are not right. It is true that will help me to be all that I should be for God. It was truth after Adam and Eve ate of that fruit that would ultimately expose them for their wrong, and prevent them from no more a hiding from God, but now to be reconciled to God when they dealt with their sin. So God confronted sin and judged it in truth. And when you think about this, God confronted the sin. God didn't let it go. On the time limit, but there is a time limit of truth. What do you mean by that? 
You can have the truth before your face. And you can have the truth that you need Jesus, and you need Jesus, and you need Jesus. And you need to understand. But it can very well come a time where God says, okay, I'm no longer going to present you the truth anymore. In Hebrews chapter 10, 26 through 27, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. If you reject truth, and you reject truth, and you reject truth, God's going to say, I'm not going to present you a truth because you only reject it. You don't want truth. It could very well come in your life. Now, who knows how many times he's very gracious and patient to do that. But the facts for Adam and Eve is that their hearts had turned away from seeking truth and it had turned towards this fruit is going to make me wise, it's going to give me great pleasure, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fulfill me. So they sought to satisfy their own ambition and lofty enticements of Satan rather than to follow the truth. Don't eat that fruit. Do you realize that not everyone that says they're true are indeed genuine? The Pharisees would flatter Jesus Christ. They would call him that thou art true. They would say, Jesus, you're true. But they would only say that with the intention of trapping him. Elijah would heal the widow woman's son after he had passed away, and then she says, you know, uh, but this I, now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. 1 Kings 17, 24. But here's what we must understand. Look with me at Psalm 51, 5. So God is truth. The word of God is truth. You're accountable to truth. You must act on truth. In Psalm 51, 5. In Psalm 51, 5, it says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me know wisdom. The question is, in your heart, in my heart, do I want truth? Do I really want to know, commit iniquity? You know what, someone, when they're going down a bad path in life, it's a difficult thing. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of struggles. And we can explain it away all day long under psychology, but the truth is some bad decisions led to some bad consequences. And when I fail to seek truth, it leads to a weariness in my soul. I must call upon God in truth. You know what? I'm frail. I get tired quickly. My emotions can be up and down. My, my, I mean, just my energy level can be up, sometimes down. I mean, feel the older you get, the more it's down than it's up, but nevertheless. But in Psalm 145, 17 through 19, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him, how? The Bible tells us, call upon him in truth. 
He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. You have to call upon God in truth. You come in humility. If someone comes and says, I want to change my life. I've heard a lot of people say, I want to change my life. I'm tired of living the way I'm living. And I begin to say, you need to get into God's word. You need to meditate upon it. You need to focus upon what God thinks of your sins. Oh, well, I don't want that. No, you want the pain taken away, but you want to live the way you want to live. And it doesn't work that way. So you have to see Jesus as truth. Not what I think about life. It's not what I think about how I ought to live my days. It's not what I think that I ought to, to uh, do for the Lord. It was what does God think? Because when Adam and Eve refused truth and went with their lusts, it brought pain. Do you realize that Jesus is the proprietor? He's the source of truth. In John 18, 37, Jesus on trial, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. Because Jesus says, Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. See, God's going to tell me when I'm doing wrong. He's going to say, he's going to convict my conscience. It's kind of like a little kid that steals the cookies from the cookie jar when they shouldn't be stealing them, and then they feel guilty because their conscience is pricked. But if you want to stay in the truth, not only must you know the God of truth, not only must you be in the word of God of truth, but you must fellowship with those in truth. The psalmist would say in verse 4 of Psalm 26, I have, not sat with vain, I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I'm not going to go in with those who are hypocrites and deceitful. But you also, if you want to maintain receipt of truth, the reception of truth, you must live the message of truth. Ephesians 5, verse 9 and 10, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Ephesians 4, 25, wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now truth must be given in love. It must be given in meekness, 2 Timothy 2, 25. But truth is a message that redeems. You realize in James 5, 19, if any of you, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. When you think about it, the truth is a message that redeems. So if a person takes the truth that I'm a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner, as all of us are, and I come before Jesus Christ and say, God, I don't deserve your grace. And in humility I say, God, will you please forgive me? He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to forgive me, but he does. When I confront an individual about their life, 
or you confront someone about their life and their sin and their need for Jesus, it has to deal with sin. They have to have the truth of it. Do you realize, look with me at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. This is speaking about the armor of the Lord. The, you know, put on the full armor of God. Ephesians 6, 14, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. The loins of truth is the belt that holds all the rest of the armor in place. It's truth that keeps the breastplate of righteousness. It's, you know, it's shot. It's everything is held. Your, your armor for your chest is held by truth. You live your life in protection from bad ways by truth. And if you want to truly worship God with your life, truth, you must only do it. You must worship only in truth. You see, God doesn't want any worship apart from a heart of truth. Realize this, John 4, 23 and 24, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship God, worship the Father, excuse me, in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If I want to worship him, it has to be in the truth of who I am. I am worshiping not for myself, I'm not worshiping for the, the emotion. I mean, I'm worship, music is inherently emotional. But I'm not doing it with the worship to make me feel good. I'm doing it with the intention of worship to bring honor and glory to Him. The truth is, it's not about me, it's about Him. So false worship will distort the truth. Now here's a, a test of authenticity about truth. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. You know what truth does? It requires your obedience. Here's a scary thing, though. If you don't obey truth, truth will be removed from you. 1 John 2, 4, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. You lose truth if you fail to follow God's word. And ultimately, a failure to follow truth will lead to apostasy and heresy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. It's so important that your life is positioned upon truth. Upon the truth of who God is, upon the truth of who I am before God, upon the truth of, of me before my neighbor. God gives us that. Because, and as I mentioned this morning, the truth 
all of Christianity rests upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If he doesn't resurrect, then everything in the Bible is of no significance. I mean, it might help you, but it's of no significance, and it's no different than everything else. But we know that he did rise again, and it was attested. I, I had a quote this morning from Josephus. I ran out of time to read it. But Josephus, who was not a Christian, he was a secular historian, and he made quotes about Jesus and the resurrection. But the Bible also tells us. And when someone comes to the truth of who they are before God, it changes them. They either receive the truth or reject it. And if they reject it, there's, they go down a very dark path. Do you realize that you're becoming a child of God? It starts in truth of who you are. John 3, 21, but he that doeth Truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. When I'm, when I'm living in truth for God, you know what? I want to come to God, and I want God to continue to expose the sin in my life. Because Colossians 1 tells us, verses 4 and 6, that truth brings forth fruit. It brings forth blessings. It brings forth things in my life where I'm impacting others in a positive light. It brings forth fruit. But how do you want to reduce fruit in your life? James chapter 3 tells us, verse 14 particularly, but if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. So if you have bitterness and envying and strife in your heart, that's a sure good way to reduce the fruit of truth. You don't act in meekness of wisdom. You lie against the truth. You know what a farmer's delight is? When a farmer's out there and he's planted a crop, he wants to see the crops come up. He wants to harvest the crop. And that's why Second John verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. You know, the greatest thing that you can do in your life is to walk in truth. And maybe there's godly parents, you know, there's godly parents investing in parents and grandparents investing in you, investing the knowledge of God. And you know what they're desi- You know what you could do the greatest, you know, remembrance and the greatest honor to your loved one by living for truth and the truth that God is truth. Obeying the truth will also give a love of the brethren, and it also Ephesians four tells us it gives. Unity. Look with me at Psalm 91, verse 4. Here's another thing that truth does for us. There was during the, the last, you know, that pandemic and all the stuff that was, well, it's still going on, at least in the government's eyes. And uh, there was a lot of worry and a lot of hearts. A lot of fear of what's going to happen. But if I rested in the truth of who God is, if I got sick and I died, I go to heaven, I'm with the Lord forever, and there's no more pain, no more sorrow, hallelujah, I'm out of here. So rather than worrying about a virus, I have to worry about whether I'm existing in truth. In Psalm 91.4, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. 
buckler is like a small shield here. And you think about this. What do you, if, you want, if you want a refuge in your life, if you're having a super hard day and you're discouraged and you're down and maybe people have been really rude to you, what do I do? I come back to the truth of who God is. Who I am. And what He wants to encourage and strengthen and help me. It says, He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. I don't need to worry when I come into the presence of God whether I'm going to be accepted or not if I'm a child of His. Because I know, He says, He covers me with His feathers and under His wings I can trust. I have protection. The story is told about a little boy who had been invited to a friend's birthday party. He was so excited and he started counting the days until the party. But the morning of the party, he was devastated when he found that a blizzard had struck their little town. The snow was falling in wet, heavy flakes and the wind was howling. I don't think you should go to the party, his father said. The little boy was so disappointed. He began to importune his father, begging to be allowed to go. Finally, much to his surprise, his dad said, all right, you can go to the party. The little boy bundled up in his hat and his toque and mittens and started down the street to his friend's house. When he got to the door, he turned around and saw his father turning to walk back home. It was then he realized that his father had been walking behind him all the way to make sure he was safe. And there may be times in your life where you feel you're all alone, but in truth, we're always surrounded by the love and the goodness of God. There's never a time you're truly on your own. Even when you don't believe him as we should, 2 Timothy 2.13 tells us he abideth faithful. And the last point of truth is that truth is a settled place. When I come to the Bible, I don't need to say, is this doctrine right or is this doctrine wrong? I come to God's word and then I look at it and the Bible tells me what is right and what is wrong. The Apostle Paul says, listen, I don't want any false doctrine. Because false doctrine is not truth, and it leads me down a wrong path. And the Bible tells us here that the place for the propagation of truth is his local New Testament church. 1 Timothy 3.15 But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church, the local church, is the pillar and ground of the truth. It ought to be. Now there are some places that call themselves churches and they're definitely not propagators of truth. It's a settled place. When you can just say, you know what, all I want in my life is I just want In the last subpoint here, there's a clear foundation in settled friendships. 3 John, verse 3, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. You know what? When you walk in truth, you can have some good friendships. You don't have to worry about someone stabbing you in the back. Now, I know Judas <laughs> did stab Christ in the back, and so, but Judas wasn't walking in truth, and Jesus knew it. But when you have two people that are walking to know God, walking towards God, walking in the Word of God, you can have a good friendship. 
You can have a good relationship in marriage. Adam and Eve would fall from their blessings from God by listening to error and not truth. Every time you follow lies and not truth, you're going to be hurt. This hurt comes because you leave the God of truth. The more you study to know God, the more you'll want to be like him. As I mentioned in John 8, 32, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That freedom there, it tells about my condition. It tells about God's mercy and grace. It tells about God's purpose for my life. It tells me, when I get to the truth of who am I, when I said the biblical foundation, who am I in this world and what is my purpose? Why was I born? Why do I do what I do? I come back to the fact that there's an almighty creator God who loves me. He created me. And you might be saying, man, I was born in some horrible circumstances. God knew that. And God knew that he's got a great plan for your life. Sometimes those who've been through the hardest circumstances, God can use in some of the mightiest ways. Truth can't fall to the streets, but it needs to be boldly proclaimed. Truth is essential to life. But truth is not gained by osmosis. You don't just mysteriously get it from, you know, like the microwaves in the air, you know, with all the cell signals and everything else, all the, the you know, the electro, electronic signal. We don't get it truth that way. It's going to take some study. In May 2013, 13-year-old Arvind Mahankali, hopefully I spelled, <laughs> correctly spelled the word nidal, which is a German-Yiddish word for a dumpling to win the 86th Scripps National Spelling Bee. Mahankali had finished the third each of the two previous years. In both of those years, he was eliminated when he failed to correctly spell a German-derived word. In preparation for his third attempt at the prize, Mahankali diligently worked to strengthen his area of weakness. This year, he says, I prepared German words and I studied them, so when I got German words this year, I wasn't worried, he said after his victory. No one has yet invented a way to magically acquire knowledge or anything else worthwhile without effort. If we're going to learn what we need to know to succeed in life, whether it's in ministry, our career, our families, or even our hobbies, we're going to have to devote time and effort to it to gain the skills and knowledge we need and then continue to devote time and effort required to maintain what we've learned. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But when we have truth, you ought to follow it. Otherwise, you'll either lose it, or you'll also regret it. In 1 John 4.6, last verse for this evening, and I'll conclude, and I'll be done. 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. The question ultimately with all of this is, is your life and are you living for truth? What is it that really uh, determines the decisions you make? The direction you go? The friends you have? No, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have some interactions with those who don't know Christ. I'm not saying we shouldn't, but they ought not to be our closest friends. I want to have close friendships with those that love Jesus so that they can help encourage me when I need it and iron sharpens iron. 
1 John chapter 4, verse 6, We are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. If someone wants truth, he says here, how do I differentiate who's someone who wants truth and who's someone that doesn't? How obedient are they to truth of God? How obedient are they to the word of God? That's your dividing line for really true relationships. What do they do with the truth of God? And if we're going to settle a biblical foundation in our life, we've got to settle that, you know what? No matter what, I just want truth. I just want to follow truth. I want to do what's right. Because Adam and Eve, they chose emotions over truth and they regretted their decisions for the rest of their lives. And if you want to have a life that is truly fulfilling, and you want to have a life that honors God, you have to live for truth. That you, and if someone here has never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, and they've never come to the realization that I'm a sinner and I need Jesus Christ to forgive me, then please, tonight, I'd love to show you the truth of God's Word. But if you're a Christian and you know Jesus Christ, but it's so easy to be distracted by news, by social media, etc., you know, the list goes on. But the decision I'm making, the decisions I'm making, the close friendships I have, it ought to be based upon truth. And so I would just challenge you, how do you handle truth this evening? And I trust that you would have a life that would be founded upon the truth of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Have Miss Pat come forward. We'll have a time of invitation. And this is just a time between you and God, the time to pray. But you know what? If we lose focus on who God is, that He is truth, news isn't truth. Philosophy isn't truth. God is truth. The Bible is truth. And from there, everything else can be built strong in my life. But if this isn't the foundation, if it's my emotions, it's if it's my, my past or traditions or culture or whatever, unfortunately, you're building upon that which is not truth. It's got to be built upon the God who created you and the Word of God, which is truth. And so as the music plays this evening, I just want to challenge you What is it that is deciding how you live your life the way you live it? Heads bowed and eyes closed, a time to pray and talk with God, however he may have spoken to you. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, I trust that tonight you call out to him and ask him to forgive you and be your Savior. It's a wonderful thing to live in truth. Truth isn't always received by the world. Many times it's not. Sometimes it can be hard to stand alone. But you'll never regret standing with God where you have your place of refuge and you have your place of foundation. to the end here shortly. I'm going to challenge you. Don't turn back. Keep your eyes on Jesus and stay on the path of truth.
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this evening, Lord. I thank you for even working amidst the distractions. And Lord, I, I pray, Father, that we would just look at our lives. And Father, that we would examine it to see whether I'm just living for truth or I'm living for my own emotions, my own uh, idea of how the world ought to function. There's a lot of ideas about this world and the way it ought to run. Many different philosophies. But Father, we know that the best way, the perfect way, it all started. With Adam and Eve in the garden, you gave them a perfect world, and when they rejected truth, it messed things up. And Lord, we mess things up in our lives when we reject the truth. Father, I pray that not only would we uh, act on truth, but that we would also seek for more truth, and that we would bear fruit and be all that we ought to be for you. Lord, I love you and thank you for this day and all that you have done and those you've brought. In Jesus' precious name I pray.